for me, what's been really interesting, especially with, with COVID, but just before that, just, you know, the arts and creativity and creative pursuits, I feel like they're so invaluable that we just bypass into not valuing them. Welcome back to another edition of How I Create Me, where we passionately celebrate remarkable humans on their quest to thrive creatively in the commercial world. I'm your host, Jessica Matthews. This community gives me both the courage to keep going and the wisdom to try something different. I hope our collective stories resonate with your own internal spark, and we're so glad you're joining us. Invite others by rating the show on Apple or Spotify. This helps the algorithm critters introduce us to more folks. And explore our happenings or chime into our conversation online at howicreate.me. Today we're celebrating the remarkable human, musician, artist, intuitive consultant, Skyris. She chatted with me about how to expand our space for showing up in the world, less bound to narrow perceptions of value, and more open to all the joyful capacities of life. Using a wide range of creative practices, from yoga to readings to performance installations and beyond, she transcends assault survivorship and ongoing chronic illness to embrace the body and engage in curiosity. With her art and her voice, she has energized spaces as distant as rural Japan, as close as the Atlanta Beltline. Join us to hear about how their housebound struggle with long COVID actually expanded their internal dimensions and why a deep breath is more than just fresh air. Hey, Skyris, I'm so happy to have you on my show today. Thank you for Thanks joining for us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> so I am so excited to talk about creativity with you as the beautiful artist that you are and the thinker and your experiences. I'm just really looking forward to all the insights you have to share with us. So what's, what's a mantra that you hold yourself to as a creative worker? And how has that played out in the course of your career as a musician, an artist, a consultant, and more like Great. That's a great place to start. I, I actually have a catchphrase that I've been using since high school. And it wasn't because I thought it into existence. Like I wasn't like, I need something to ground me as an artist, right? It really, it totally came into the universe. But I think I was about 13 or 14, right? It was like almost 30 years ago. And it's something I hold to myself just as a person. So of course, it applies to like all the creative outlets and everything. But it's live life love life, live love. Ooh, I like that. That covers all the bases, man. Right. I mean, it's kind of, <laughs> for me, it's, it's very much about coming from a place of love, of connection, of devotion. And, and that's what makes the best art, right? Is, is being able to be, being able to encompass everything that life encompasses, right? And to have a point at which it can come from love, even when it's difficult things. Especially, maybe, it's when we need it the most. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I hear you there. And sometimes, too, I like how the that you incorporated there that sometimes we need to make those choices that are about loving life, that that it's very easy, I think, sometimes, especially if you're like a generous soul that likes to create and put good things out into the world, it's really easy to just 
give and give and give. And sometimes it, to forget that you have to also love the life you live, like set up your life to feel love. And that can mean a lot of different things as a creative worker. Uh, what are some of the ways that you've seen that play out for yourself as a musician and an artist and consultant? Etc. I think I think for me one of the biggest shifts to it that happened really more in my adulthood, like especially post twenties, I would say, is realizing that so often the world only wants to hear from women when women are happy, you know, and when we're adhering to the patriarchy and when we are conventionally attractive and like all these things and you know, we're well behaved, so much more there can be so much more silencing, right? When we are not when we're, when we're raging about things that are legitimate to rage about, right? And so for me, there's a big piece of being able to still come from a place of love, even when you are confronting things that are difficult or uncomfortable or like gross or whatever it is, right? When you and I met, I was talking about a piece I did last December in a community theater, and it was about like the menstrual cycle in large part, which is something that's really uncomfortable and gross for a lot of people. But for me going into it, it was really about, I have so much love for my body, for the human body in general. How can I create a space that still shows, that has a lot of love to it and still encompasses something that is uncomfortable and like dirty, right? For some people. So that's really, I think how I lean into it now is really being able to come from a place of love, but also let love encompass all parts of our experience. How has living with COVID like changed your relationship with yourself and your creativity? There's so much I can say because I had long COVID, you know, for about mm. a year and a half, two years. So, you know, I think for me, that's really the experience that I lean into. You know, it's hard. It's, it's like I can't not think about the collective experience without, without thinking of my own. But, um, you know, long COVID destroyed everything like I loved about myself in the sense of my physical well-being, my, my optimism about the world, my sense of purpose, my capacity to create. Um, because on the level of illness, you know, I have a chronic illness, I get migraines. And so COVID basically aggravated that for like a year. So I was managing migraines like five to six days a week for a year. And that was 99% of what I did. And it was so exhausting and it was so disheartening. And then it's within this collective experience, right? That is so complex, that has so much going on, um, of course has plenty of heartbreak and all of that. And so I think, you know, for me, I am still recovering and healing out of that in real time. You know, I very much feel like I'm, I'm pacing myself in a very different way. I have no idea how long-term that's going to be, like how permanent some of those changes are, like, we'll we'll see. Because, you know, thinking and breathing were both very difficult for me for a long time. So I don't take them for granted. Um, I'm still in that phase where there's a, they're like a novelty, you know? And I'm like, I'm marveling at my capacity to hold a thought, right? And like, have this interview. I mean, really, it's, it's amazing that I, there was a time when I thought, you know, I, I really had to, there was a time when I really took some space and, and told myself I should recalibrate, you know, and I should really think about the possibility of a future when I, I might just be sort of long-term disabled. And I, um, and that would just be, that would just be my life. So, so that's all still shifting and, and changing and just like allowing myself that space. So I think the 
some of the big changes have been just giving myself that time, not pressuring myself, not comparing myself, like really focusing on creating a space where I thrive, you know? And I think for a lot of us, we've all had so much time cut off in whatever way, right? Socially or like physically, like whatever it is. And um, for me, I had so much time to get to know my neurodivergence and my chronic illness in new ways, like so much uninterrupted time, right? I felt terrible. I was a mess, you know, everything was just a mess. So that, that has had all of these like good results in the sense of really being able to honor myself for who I am and just like let my differences be my differences as opposed to trying to track onto what other people's, you know, examples might be or whatever. Um, and then sort of energetic, emotional, like spiritual level of long COVID, it was this really, like really, really, really intense reckoning with the universe, you know, of like, why am I waking up every day to be in this much pain and like really do nothing? you know, and, and day after day after day. And like, and maybe this is going to be my future for quite some time, right? And I really had to just be in that space. And it was really uncomfortable and really unpleasant. And in that, I was still surrounded by my creative work. Like I still have, you know, all of my random projects that were at various stages of incompletion at a certain point. And I still had ideas, like even in the, like the worst of it, I still had things coming through. So that was kind of what's come out of it for me thus far with the pandemic is just these are the things that remained, you know, saying like COVID destroyed everything and it did like so many things, but also creation comes out of that destruction, right? Like in that cleared out a whole lot of space, <laughs> um, it shifted a lot of energy. And I just, at this point, feel really grateful to be in, I think, the early phases of creation right? In terms of what, what that's going to look like and what that's going to become. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing with us. I identify so much with what you uh, articulated there. I myself have gone through migraines. I didn't have long COVID, but I can recognize that feeling of suspension, right? That you just can't quite get your feet down. So should I even start something? And maybe it'll be like this. Maybe the little bit of energy I have needs to be focused on preparing for a future in which I can't do anything. And then it's just totally depressing, especially as a creative person. Like you said, the ideas don't stop. You have to um, figure out how to how to navigate that. So I really love that idea of digging down and finding that deep space of self-knowledge. Uh, that's not something that our society of productivity gives us a lot of leave to embrace. So how has that experience deepened your reflections on value, like how we describe value, how we build it, measure it, share it, etc.? For me, what's been really interesting especially with, with COVID, but just before that, just, you know, the arts and creativity and creative pursuits, I feel like they're so invaluable that we just bypass into not valuing them, oh, right? Say that one like, more time. That was yeah. so good. <laughs> creativity and the arts, so valuable that we bypass into not valuing them at all. Like we take, they're so valuable, we just completely take them for granted. And the example that I used to always use is elevator music because we are so spoiled that we think we should have music all the time in the car, waiting in a waiting room, in a store, in an elevator, in a bathroom, like 
every single second, right? And it's super close to home for me because I'm a musician. Um, but it's, you know, it takes effort and time and skill to make these things. And they don't just, they don't just show up. And then with COVID, you know, it was fascinating because I, I think back to the early days, which feels like a decade ago, the early days of COVID. And it was like everybody's coping strategy were arts. It was like streaming music, streaming films, um, podcasts. Hello, here we are. <laughs> Books, um, TV shows. Like it was all the art. And I was like, wow, so this is literally the only way we have to manage right now are the arts. Like, thank you. That's great. But also you should pay us more <laughs> and acknowledge us, right? And so it's something that I, I hope the conversation continues and I hope it's something that shifts collectively, right? Because I think all of these things are immensely valuable and we we recognize it so much that we just think it's always there and it just shows up because it's always there, right? And it shows up because people take the time and have the ability to do these things. I was noticing myself, uh, the changes in my diet of the arts as I was coping. Like I, I used to pay, you know, $45 for this special edition, you know, Blu-ray with the director's commentary, whatever, whatever. But I would like sit in it, you know, and I felt great about paying $45 for it. And now it's like, if Netflix charged me $45 a month, I would drop them instantly. Like it's just, but if I thought about it, it's like, how absurd is that, that I would react that way when I know the value that these things have from a creator's perspective, but we've just gotten into this pace of production and consumption that is ridiculous. Well, good for you for noticing, you know, and I think, <laughs> I think, you know, I'm a both and person. I mean, I think we can, we can have the streaming things and like, have these resources, but also recognize not all of them compensate well, right? And not all of them are structured in a very equitable way. Like we can take these good ideas and refine them and make them better. Right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I grew up buying albums, right? Like I remember when you had to pick and like picking and choosing what music and like how valuable it was and sitting down with headphones and ignoring the whole world and listening to albums you know, and I think people still do that a little bit. Right. And like start to finish, not like shuffled. Like I, no, 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 I no. love there's going, an arc. Right. There's an arc in the song order. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And there's an art to it. It's, it's not just this like random collection of three minute, you know, spots. So, okay. So what are some of the mindsets or tools that you kind of use to expand like yourself and, and, or your works and kind of how you show up in the world. Like you talked about, like we have these good ideas. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, part of it has emerged out of having a chronic illness in the sense of my physical health and my mental health and my nervous system. Like it's all very sensitive and can just get kind of battered down in the world. <laughs> so a lot of it for me, those things for me are very track very closely. I think they they track closely for everybody. But for me, it's very much about embodiment practices. I do a lot of asana practice, which is a postural practice of yoga. And I do a lot of dance, just like freeform conscious dance. I do a lot of breath work and meditation, like every day. That's, that's like a must or I'm just a total mess. <laughs> and I do a lot of intuitive practices. So, you know, things like divination, like tarot and oracle cards or pendulum practice. And I do a lot of ritual work. 
you know, moon cycles and seasonal cycles, like the equinox and the full moon just happened, you know, this past weekend. So that's just a sweet time for me to to lean in and connect and, and just ground, but also like get a lot more expanded too, right? It goes in all the directions. And then the other piece that I think is really important is leaning into pleasure and joy. And it sounds kind of trivial, maybe, but I think especially, again, like recognizing how the world often wants people to behave, you know, culturally or, or whatever that is for people. But those are, you know, those are the nudges, right? Like, and, and however trivial it is, like, like I can tell you right now that I smell amazing. And you can't smell me because we're doing this through Zoom. <laughs> like we're doing this, you know, <laughs> yeah. online virtually. Yeah. But I'm having a much better experience, actually. And it's yeah. so silly. I used to tell myself that that was like too trivial to do because nobody else was experiencing it, right? It was just for me. And then I realized, like, yeah, it's just for me. It's okay. Like, and that for me helps me tap into all of it, right? That was actually some, I love that you brought up smell um, because that was actually one of the most grounding things that I started doing like early in the days of the pandemic. I was in my house with a toddler and a husband who was full-time work from home all of a sudden, and he was an extrovert and we were all like up in each other's space all the time. And it was crazy, just like everyone else experienced this, right? But one of the things that I started doing was I would just choose days that I didn't put on deodorant and I would just like be with myself. <laughs> that makes sense. Like, cause when you don't have deodorant on, you suddenly like notice that your body smell, right? You get accustomed to like the lavender, whatever, whatever your nose just eventually starts to ignore. <laughs> this just exists. <laughs> but when it's your body, like living and breathing and it, it is totally different. Your, your body pays attention to itself, right? And my therapist and I used to laugh about it so much. She would ask me like, okay, so how many non-deodorant days did you need last week? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you. Grounded, right? <laughs> how do you, how do you, what are some of the like ways that you can like catch yourself and then like have this moment, this opportunity to transform into joy, these narrow tendencies? I mean, I love that question. And I also think it's, for me, thinking about it in terms of what anybody can do, it's a hard thing to say, because obviously, like, some people are really going to resonate with the smell thing, some people aren't, whatever. But I really think about it in a sense of noticing patterns, right? And what you were just saying, like, your example is a good, like, you were noticing the pattern, right? Of how many days. And for me, that's why I have so many, like, embodiment practices and contemplative practices, because I do all these things every day and I can see you know oh I drank way too much coffee because yesterday because now I feel like garbage you know or I went to bed too late or well I decided not to like engage with that really toxic person and today I feel amazing you know like I just think there's so much in all the little things we do that are cumulative and the more that you have some sort of way of tracking it way of noticing it you know whatever that is that that helps. Um, and then kind of going along with that, I think it allows you to know yourself really deeply. And then when you're able to see those patterns and you're able to notice yourself and, and know, you know, who you are and, and where you actually are in the world, you know, how you want to show up, you can then recognize, you know, your fears and your insecurities. You can notice when you're like, for me, I think about it a lot, you know, with like, with neurodivergence, with chronic illness, like there's so much internalized ableism that I've really ended up confronting, especially with COVID, 
just with just so much free time, like so much like dead time, quiet time with myself, like really noticing, you know, unhealthy expectations or like toxic sort of um, patterns or comparisons, pressure around timing, around productivity, around worth and value, right? Like monetarily, whatever that means. So just that sense of, of being really clear on who you are and having the, whatever those tools are, right? Whether it's meditation or therapy or, or whatever you do, right? Those tools that help you get really clear on who you are so you can navigate in ways that actually support you as opposed to telling yourself you have to match expectations or patterns that are not healthy. There's so much information and expectation and assumption that gets thrown at us. I encountered so much of that in my early postpartum days. I had not even considered at all how how everybody has an opinion about a mom when she walks in the room. <laughs> like I had never and your really, body and your parenting. And your, right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> not just like, yeah. Like not just my relationship with like this little human that I was like a mother and a caregiver, but they did, they had these expectations about my body being able to do certain things or not able to do them. And I was shocked at how many stairs are everywhere. <laughs> I was shocked <laughs> at where, how there were no, there was no seating. Like I would have to walk a really long way carrying my like huge kit. <laughs> and like, if I mistimed, like how long it would take me to get from one side of the building to another. And I left the stroller mm -hmm. in the car and then there wasn't a place to sit down. Like be like sitting right. on the floor to like nurse my kid and then we get right. no, well, you know, go in a toilet stall because you don't want to expose yourself to the public right, right, right. yeah definitely oh my goodness that's something that you feel like is a good like I don't know practice or way it doesn't even have to be a practice I guess but like something that everyone can start doing to just be more inclusive of how people are showing up in the world I got it. I love, I love the phrasing of that. And I think, you know, being inclusive to me goes along with curiosity mm. because in order for us to be inclusive, like it's easy to be inclusive when we see ourselves in something or when it's something relates to us in a very direct way. Right. Yeah. Like you, it's probably easy for you to be pretty inclusive of moms. I would guess. Oh yeah, I, I was, next, I was like, like hardcore, like okay, where are the right. Like I was like all up in the politics, but right, yes, <laughs> right. So that's easy, right? Like as humans, that's an easy way for us to be inclusive. But if we're really talking about actual inclusivity of everybody else, who we don't necessarily have a whole lot of obvious sort of connections or like like similar life experience or similar beliefs, right, or, or culture. I think it, it really starts with curiosity, you know, and just this willingness to learn about people, even if it's not really your vibe, right? Just to know and, and the willingness to let people have space. And I think about it a lot in the sense of like social justice in the sense that when you have a certain amount of privilege, the willingness to believe people when they explain about things that you can't experience, right? And so for me, it's like, on the one hand, I have white privilege, so I can believe people who don't have that kind of privilege when they tell me about what they go through. And, and that helps me be more inclusive, right? Because I, I, can't, I can't experience that. It's not possible for me. And then I also have it on the other side of being a woman, you know, and, and having to tell people sometimes, like, like, I'm married to a man, and there are things that he is never, never, never going to experience. It's 100% okay. 
he's not a bad person because of it. But the willingness to believe, you know, women or whoever it is about here's this thing that I've gone through and it doesn't matter. It isn't about believing it in an air quotes in the sense of like, I know what it's like, or I can even know what it's like, right? But the willingness to be curious and be be open to me is just how, how we can get more inclusive. And I love the distinction between this post-enlightenment, like scientific method curiosity that's like, I'm being curious because I need to validate that this, this, and this is their accurate representation of the scope of this or whatever. That is like, that is so, <laughs> so not helpful, right? <laughs> like in the, in the context of being inclusive, right? <laughs> but then, and then there's this, I think, I don't know if it's just like a Southern part of me that I like curiosity sometimes feels a little intrusive or like I find myself like not asking questions of people, even though I obviously am thinking them or that I somehow feel like they'll think I'm rude for asking, but you're so right. Like when you're not asking with a critical eye to like judge and compare them to this other standard of behavior, right? When it's like not the scientific method situation, right? When you're approaching them with this openness and people, people love feeling seen, right? And they, they'll feel seen when they can tell you how they're showing up in the world, when they can answer back um, and fill the space that you make by asking questions. So I think that's, really well said and well articulated. No, I was going to say to me, it kind of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning about showing up with love, right? Like I have a lot of friends who are not white, not American, like not a, not identifying as a man or a woman, right? And, and a lot of times we have conversations and I show up with like, hey, I would love to ask you about something. And if it is really out of line, like you get to tell me that I'm being a jerk right now. I mean, you know, yeah. and I think that yeah. I've definitely, I've definitely had curiosity that's hurt people's feelings, right? And I didn't know it, and it came from this well-intentioned place, but it could still be hurtful. And so, this this sense of being responsible about our curiosity, right? Of of acknowledging, like I, I'd, I'd really love to know, but also if this is inappropriate, like yeah. I need you to tell me because I don't know, right? Like yeah. there's an opportunity for education in there too. Yeah, I love um, that. That's that's such good phrasing. That's the thing I'll definitely be taking away because then it gives me the confidence to be able to ask the question and know that the other person has an out, right? That they don't have to, they don't have to respond. They don't have to like go there if they don't want to go there. But but at least there's been this space of like wanting to in, wanting to engage in. I really love that. That was boundary asking techniques or or boundary keeping techniques were just not something that I was taught as a kid oh and really we don't get taught those things gosh <laughs> I know right don't figure shocking uh, <laughs> yeah we have so to learn them like, we have to right. learn them yes and I'm so and it's so taught. wonderful that we get to get to do that now like I I love that learning continues all through life and it really does make the world much easier to love and to live in and to live in while loving. So what's one big takeaway that you want listeners to, to carry with them after this episode? Oh my goodness. I, I I'm terrible with favorites and like one thing. So that's, that's tough for me, but I think, I hope that people come away with some expanded consciousness in some way, whatever that is of like seeing things in new ways or you know, hopefully, really, I feel like we've talked about it in a few different times, but this sense of 
being able to have love encompass all of life, right? That joy doesn't have to be mutually exclusive from despair, right? And that, you know, unhappiness or challenges don't just mean more of the same, right? That we can get, we can find beauty and joy out of tough things too. And it's like kind of cliche to say that, but also, especially in the COVID times, I think it's very easy to like slide into a lot of just like vortexes, right? That are, that are not constructive. Yes. Very, very well said. I, I echo that feeling for myself. That <laughs> It feels very much like I'm just navigating from one vortex to the other. But you're right that 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 joy is what is what gets us through. So thank you so much for sharing with thank us you. your story. And I'm really excited to to try out and practice and notice and feel that expansiveness. And, and I know my uh, everything about my world will will feel the effect of it and appreciate it. But I'm sure my barefoot toddler Wonderful. will certainly appreciate it very deeply. Great, <laughs> mommy embraces that expansiveness. So, Wonderful. Thank you. That's another party in the bag for how I create me. We're incredibly grateful that you welcomed our content into your headspace. We take it very seriously that we should bring light and goodness to your soul. So don't be shy about sharing your thoughts. How do we do? Do you want to hear more? What should we talk about next? To stay connected and get amongst the details, visit howicreate.me. Are there other people in your world that should join the party? Invite others by rating the show on Apple or Spotify. This helps the algorithm critters introduce us to more folks. Like, share, follow, and all the social media things. That'll help too. Explore our happenings or chime into our conversation online at howicreate.me. This podcast would not be possible without the generous efficiency of our executive producer and production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com.